Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from Cat Swamp Road. And hopefully everything is going well for you today. And uh, since the last time we got together, what I wanted to do is I want to start off right before I get sidetracked. And there got a couple of things, stories I would like to share with you that I want to thank uh, Mr. Uh, Rich Bronick. And um, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly from Montana, from Great Falls, Montana, for giving me a pin in my map. Now, uh, I don't, I'm not sure if Mr. Bronick listens to the podcast or the radio show on Sirius XM, or some, some people listen to both, and I'm very grateful for that. But anyway, he wrote me a, a very nice letter, and I'll read it to you. And it says, Mr. Bohax, which I don't, I don't need to be called that, obviously, but I certainly respect what Mr. Bronick Bronick called me that. He says, enjoy your show and the perspective you provided maintaining a fleet of equipment. Our family operates a farm and ranch in north central Montana, raising black Angus cattle and various small grains. We operate a variety of older and late model equipment and strive to keep everything in excellent working order. Your show has helped in making correct decisions about this maintenance and repair. I just wanted to share a picture and a small amount of info on a tractor repower we have done. The tractor is a 1984 Steiger CP1325 we have owned since 1995. The original A model 3406 engine had no issues, but was sold to a neighbor when our local diesel shop came across a new from the factory Big Cam 3 Cummins 855. It is set at 400 horsepower and handles the air drill it pulls perfectly. It has all it has all the auto steer technology of a newer machine, including automatic turn, RTK guidance, and variable rate seating. It has been a great experience maintaining this old school machine and it's still providing great service to our operation. We recently painted it while replacing center pins and bushings. Hopefully you enjoyed the picture and please place a pin in the map for northeast of Great Falls, Montana. Keep up the great work. Keep up the great job sharing your knowledge. God bless Rich. So I want to thank you so much for that. And you guys can't see the picture, but the tractor is dropped at gorgeous. And uh, beautiful, beautiful 1984 Steiger. It looks like it just rolled rolled from the factory. I believe they built those in North Dakota. So I uh, want to thank you very much for not only for listening, but for sharing that picture with me. And uh, I may actually use it for the thumbnail for today's episode. So uh, we will see, because it's such a nice, nice picture. But uh, Beautiful, beautiful tractor, and hopefully Mr. Bronick hears this, and uh, we go from there, right? Now, the next person that gave me a pin in my map is not too far away from me. It's another Jersey boy. So, but it's uh, it's Mr. Just uh, Mr. Justin Forsier, and he's down in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and uh, I have a letter from him. It's going to be in the special delivery section uh, later on in the show. And he tells us a little bit about his operation, what he's doing down there. But he has a very good question, a very a question I'm sure a lot of people have in their mind. It's about putting an extension and using an extension on a torque wrench. Not a handle extension, but an extension to get to um, for the socket, 
to bring the wrench up higher from where you're working. And he wants to know whether that is going to skew the talk reading. So we're going to ca- we're going to cover that letter and and the in the uh, special delivery section today, right? Put my tongue in my mouth. And then I got another pin in my map and this is from Ryder, Georgia, R Y D A Georgia, and it's Angela Evans and she listens on the Sirius XM radio show. So I will announce all of these people, Mr. Bronick, Mr. Forcier, and Mrs. Evans on the radio show also, as I do here on Idle Chatter. So that is that, and I covered that. So listen, if you, oh, 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 wait a minute, I forgot the most important thing. Don't mind me, uh, I'm a little bit, I almost use this as an excuse every week, off kilter, but I'll explain to you why after we get done to this. But we have two winners this week, we're going back to two winners now for the Hot Rod Farmer license plate, and it's Mr. Barry Alt from Palmyra, New York, and Mr. Glendon Zimmerman from Lidditz, Pennsylvania. And Glendon works over at Binkley and Hearst as a technician there and a very good technician and he works at the binkley and hertz dealership in the lidditz area i believe it is lidditz where the dealership is and he is from lidditz so um, those gentlemen i believe i have your addresses if i don't have your addresses i will i believe i have your emails i will email you and get your address get your address and send uh the hot rod farmer license plate out to you and hopefully that you like it and you enjoy it and it's my honor to be able to send it out so uh glendon and barry if you're listening uh just shoot me an email hot rod farmer with the mailing address because i i would have your i would probably have your email address but i may not have i would most certainly not have your um your uh, mailing address physical mailing address so that is that and let me see what else i wanted to talk about here oh yeah i i'm i'm only you know i'm only telling you this simply because i feel that i have an obligation to give you a good show each week or to try to give you the best show god willing that i can give you and you know when you do something like this you uh it's almost like a i must say like an actor because i'm not acting but you're quasi on stage and if you're um if you're upset or something is going on in your life and it's uh, got getting you down well it's going to affect your delivery so hopefully i am able to mask it and have an enthusiastic delivery today but it's not and don't ever think it's because i don't want to do this or be with you or honor your time you're taking time to listen to me and to be educated not to hear about issues in my life but anyway and if if anyone who knows me no will would would verify that if i was superman which i am not and if you're old enough to remember superman superman's weakness was kryptonite and i had actually have done a sermon in our church when our church was opened sadly after 200 years it closed due to covid and now somebody's living in it but that's another story is that but i was a lay speaker and i probably gave about 40 or 50 sermons i actually did one funeral service and i did one wedding but not the legal aspect of the wedding the spiritual christian aspect of the wedding so anyway i gave a speech on uh, a speech to a sermon on this and that saying that if i was superman my kryptonite would be animals 
So just like Superman would just lose all of his strength when 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 he was exposed to obviously the material that doesn't exist, the fake material kryptonite, but animals do that to me. And then last week, I believe I told you on the show that our little cat Allie was uh, made uh, in the family way and we didn't get her spayed in time. I didn't think we had to get her spayed that early. I was just about to get her to, to do it, to get her to do it, to get her spayed, and uh, found out that she was pregnant. But she delivered six beautiful kittens last week, last Sunday, and Charlotte and I were right there with her for the delivery, right there. We, it was a beautiful, beautiful delivery. There was no complications whatsoever. She's a kitten herself. She's only about six months old. And she just, uh, it's amazing how the good Lord just instills in animals what to do. And she was a wonderful mother. It was a very easy birthing process. It took about two hours, a little bit more than maybe closer to three hours, about a half hour apart for each kitten. And they all, they all looked very good. But sadly, three of them died within the first day. And that just broke my heart. And that's why I said I'm under, under just uh, just very, very sad. My wife and I are very sad over it. Ali is very sad. And then to add insult, to in, and why they died, because I feel guilty that they did. I would lay with Ali, and as she was nursing the kittens, or what I perceived as she was nursing the kittens, but after about 12 hours of nursing, her nipples would get extended as they're supposed to with any animal that's nursing. And then I found out that she has a birth, Ali has, a, I'll say, a gener genetic defect, that she only has two nipples, only has two milking stations and six kittens. So the poor kittens were there, and they were sucking, they were sucking on nothing, and they didn't get any colostrum, they didn't get any nutrition, and then three of them died, two of them died within an hour of one another, and another one died the next morning. So I, I by the time I realized that, I said, what's going on here? Then I was able to lay, I lay, was laid with her, and I would see that I felt around. She lets me do anything to her, she lets Shaw and I do anything to her and anything to the kitten. She's wonderful, and she's a wonderful mother, even though she's a baby herself. And I'm looking, I said to Charlotte, she only has two nipples. So we went and we got kitten formula and uh, ran around it, got a, uh, uh, a, a syringe and started to feed the three kittens that are left, and they're doing wonderfully. They're gaining about 10 to 15 grams of weight a day and uh, she had three black ones and three creamsicle ones. I call creamsicle, like an orangey, tannish color. And she's a tortoise cell, so none of them look like her. But the, the point that I'm so sad about is that I could have saved those other three kittens. But it was my ignorance and not knowing that. And I would see them and she would put them there. You don't want to bother. She said, new, newborn babies, new mommy, you don't want to bother her. So I'm laying there with her and then I'm looking and saying, geez, what's going on here? And then... Then the next thing that happened, so we were nursing the kittens, and thank God at this particular point, they're doing well, they're gaining weight. Uh, Allie is very sad. She's, she could see it in her eyes, and over losing the babies, it's just terrible, and she's doing the best she can. But then the other day, our beloved cat Donald, uh, he went for a walk on the farm and did not return. So we were out 
out looking for him in the woods in the fields calling him i rode up and down all the roads thank god i haven't i didn't find him hurt or dead so i thank the good lord for that and uh and so hopefully god willing he comes home he only he's only He's not even three years old himself, two and a half years old. And he did this once when he was about nine months old, and he was gone for about 72, uh, not uh, just probably under about 60 hours. So I'm hoping that this is the same thing. We're praying that he comes home. And uh, so, like I say, if I feel a little bit lackluster today, this is my kryptonite. Uh, I feel so responsible for Allie losing those three kittens. And of course, I could have. If I was more uh, knew what was going on, I would have been able to at least try to save them. And God willing, you know, we're putting Donald in God's hands. And uh, and like I said, whatever is going to be right. As a Christian, we just basically say that we give everything to the Lord, and whatever His will is for for my life or whatever situation I'm in, it's to the glory of God, the glory of Christ. So, but we we were able to give, you know, to accept whatever the Lord has for us. And there's so many people going through so many. I know Cody Reisman and his wife have a little baby that's in the hospital. I mean, there's so many things going on in the world and everyone's life, not just my life. But I just felt I owed that to you, that if I seem a little bit lackluster or off-key today or making more mistakes than normal, it's just because my heart is breaking in so many ways because I feel so responsible for those kittens and I feel so responsible. I don't know why Donald, I mean, he's, he's a, he, they're all in and out cats. So, I mean, they come, they sleep in the house, they go out, they go around the farm, but he's never disappeared like this for that. Well, he did that one time, I should say but subsequently he has not. So God willing, he comes home, and God willing, Cody's little baby is doing well. So that is that, and I thank you in advance for your for your uh, forgiveness of me, for you giving me some, cutting me some slack. Well, the other thing I want to tell you is that <clears throat> this is more in line for what you came to the show for, not to hear about my life. But I had a, probably about a month ago, a, a person contacts me through the website Farm Machinery Digest, and he says that he reads me in Hemmings Muscle Machines for many years. I do a column there called Ask Ray for about 25 years now. And he said he wrote me letters through Hemmings, and I never got back to him or what have you. <clears throat> and the thing is that I, I never got the letters. I mean, so I told him that. What happens is that the emails and everything go through Hemmings, and they, they forward them to me. So... Um, <clears throat> I, so I said to him, I never got them, I'm very sorry. And for, I forgot how his letter went, but for some reason he kind of gleaned that I didn't get them. <clears throat> Excuse me, I don't know how that happened. But anyway, so long story short is that he has an older Mazda Miata that was his daughter's. I'm just going to clear my throat. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, <clears throat> he, uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry, he was... Uh, it's 17 years old. It's a 2005, and I'm just going to get a drink of water. Thank you for your patience with me. <coughs> All right, I, I'm hopeful. <coughs> Hopefully I'm back now. But anyway, so he has this older Mazda Miata. It was all rotted out. His daughter bought new, and uh, he's down in Florida now, and he's restoring it. And he's got a problem with it where it, sometimes it doesn't want to... Um, it doesn't want to uh, start and 
he it cranks but it doesn't start and he you know he went on the internet he did all this stuff he has no shop manual then they have um an immobilizer which is they i guess mazda calls it immobilizer it's an anti-theft system actually gm came out with that years ago back in the 80s called the pass key system so if you don't have the right key it makes it harder for you to jump to to hotwire the car and steal it so he's going so he's going through all this he's asking about the immobilizer system so anyway to make a long story short i said to him why do you think it's the immobilizer system which is well i went on the internet a lot of people said they had problems with the immobilizer system well first of all that's a data point so i'm just sharing this with you not to give this gentleman a black eye whatsoever but just sharing with you is that use that as a data point so if you go on the internet or somebody tells you those 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 uh hay balers always have this problem it's a data point you could look there but don't take it to the bank so anyway i was spoke to him on the phone we had a quite lengthy conversation and i said to him well you can't just because it has an immobilizer you can't just jump the gun and say it's automatically the problem with is the immobilizer because it doesn't want to start i said maybe it has an ignition problem maybe that's something else so i'm starting so i'm talking to him on the phone and you know he was so focused on that immobilizer and we all do that when we do diagnostics and that's why i'm sharing it with you so i said to him well what i want you to do is I, it's an, you said it was an old rusty Mazda. I said, I wouldn't be surprised if it's got a bad ground. <clears throat> and and also, I said, I said, it could be something as simple as the battery, that the cranking voltage is not good. I said, just because your ears tell you that it cr- seems to be cranking fine, it doesn't, I said, the starter is a hog, hog, it could pull all the voltage. And if it's not, doesn't have enough voltage going into the ECU or the, the threshold RPM, which I've discussed on this show before, is that's not going to fire the injectors. And, you know, why, so why does it do it sometime and not the other? Who knows? It could be the humidity, it could be the temperature. And he said, usually you'd, you'd get it to start if, and then you shut it off and it won't start again. And then maybe the next day it would start. So anyway, I said to him, put a battery, put a voltmeter across the battery and then crank the car over and see what the voltage is. It's, I said, just a rule of thumb, it's got to be close to 10 volts, 9.6, 9.7 volts. And most ECUs won't fire the injectors at less than that. You're not going to be able to monitor cranking speed. So about two hours later, he sends me an email very nice thanking me for my time which i'm very appreciative of that but anyway i said to him you know don't go out and buy a battery put a battery charger on it but it has to be like a jumper type of battery charger a booster charger not a trickle charger i said and then i said run another ground wire just temporary run a wire with alligator clip so anyway so he gets back to me he says he thinks it's the battery because he puts the battery charger on it and he says he never got it to start and start twice in a row and now it starts as as often as he wants so the moral of the story for you guys is that you have to go back to basics just because there's something complicated in this system so it could be a tf4 engine it could be a hay bale it could be a sprayer don't jump the gun go back to basics and in this particular point if this car proves to keep starting based upon his initial original assessment that sounds like it will if it if it continues to start then all it was was a sulfated battery and it cranked good enough 
to, for his ears, but either the cranking speed was a little bit too low or the cranking voltage or a combination of both, and it doesn't. It was not starting. And he spent months, and no disrespect to the gentleman, he spent months on this car chasing and, and thinking he was going to have to spend all this money for a whole new, and somebody told him it needs a new wiring harness, what have you. So just just food for thought there as we get involved with it and in, with diagnostics is that always go back to basics and always you have to quantify things you have to put numbers on them you have to you have to be able to say he never put the voltmeter on he just went to the battery charger which is fine but that you know that was that that ended up working working out for him i'm just going to clear my throat for a second and kill this mic okay that dead air probably seems like an hour but <clears throat> my throat didn't clear out too good so i apologize for that Alrighty, what are we going to talk about today in this show is crevice volume and i've over the years of doing this podcast i've mentioned crevice volume a number of times but we're really going to focus on it today and we're going to focus on crevice volume for you to understand it and we're also going to under, focus on crevice volume and how it impacts fuel dilution in the oil and that's be for either a diesel engine or a gasoline engine and the definition of crevice volume is that it's a region in the bore so it's in the cylinder someplace all right which is the from the top of the the combustion chamber of the cylinder head all the way down to the piston to the wrist pin area where the piston pin goes into the bore excuse me uh piston pin goes into the you know pin bore and of the connecting rod so it's that region and what it's defined is a crevice volume is an area where the where the charge and charge by definition is fuel and air mixed together so once you get into the cylinder it is always charge because there's air and fuel mixed into it if you have uh, let's say like a diesel injection system well at the point of injection it's only fuel at a port a port fuel injection or direct injection gasoline it's only only fuel but once it gets into the cylinder it's charged so if you had a indirect injection diesel and your pre-chamber and you were spraying in there all right then once it got into the cylinder mixed with air it's charged so anyway so what's the definition of crevice volume is a region where the charge could enter but the flame cannot access now keep in mind there's a flame in this cylinder whether it's a diesel or whether it's a spark ignition engine just a matter of what evokes the flame what starts the flame in a spark ignition engine the arcing of the spark plug ignites the mixture and it doesn't blow up it doesn't blow up as they teach in a lot of high school classes that the flare the flame expands it, it, it starts combustion and expands across the bore and the expansion of this flame and the heat is what is pushing down the piston and the same thing happens with a diesel but it's not ignited by the arcing of a spark plug it's ignited by heat so the air is compressed to such a level that when the diesel fuel is sprayed on it ignites and the and the and the flame starts to expand as it heats and works and pushes down and against the piston and that is the chemical to mechanical energy exchange so what happens is that in every cylinder there is a region where the fuel and air the charge could enter but the flame cannot travel to and that is considered a crevice volume and it's very 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 important uh to understand this 
Well, for my audience, it's very important. For some guy in a feed store, he may not care. But because it's going to impact a lot of things. Now, I'm going to do a quick rundown, a quick a, a quick overview on emissions so that you so when i use these terms to discuss crevice volume that they'll you'll understand them in case you forgot or this may be new to you well let's talk about gasoline first and then we'll go on to diesel there's there's basically in essence four gases and possibly five that we look at so it's co carbon monoxide hc hydrocarbons there's oxides of nitrogen which is no subscript x and then there's o2 and then the fifth one would be particulates but with this particular point i did a show about that a few weeks back is that they're really not looking that at particulates that much on gasoline engines but they're starting to so what so let's give you a quick definition is that co carbon monoxide is partially burned fuel so there's too much fuel in the combustion chamber in the cylinder it cannot burn at all so that's like the leftovers on your plate after you had a meal or going to a buffet and why i like to make that analogy is because most people if they're eating on a plate they to some certain extent for lack of better terms play with the food move it around so it's not that it's a virgin food so it's not like you have something that's on your plate that it kind of got played with all right and it's the leftover that you left on the plate when you when, when you stepped away from the table so it's not virgin so co is partially burned the fuel so the fuel started to burn a little bit but you put too much there's too much fuel the mixture is too rich and it cannot consume all of that fuel right so because it needs a proper amount of air to be able to consume that fuel because it's an air fuel ratio so if it's if it's if it's it's biased towards too much fuel then the mixture is too rich and it cannot consume all the fuel but it partially burns it all right partially burned so that's carbon monoxide now hc hydrocarbons and both gasoline and diesel fuel are hydrocarbon based fuels is unburned fuel so on a gasoline engine your co is indication of your richness and your hc is your indication of what we would call a misfire meter it's unburned fuel not partially burned it's unburned fuel so if you were to pull a spark plug wire off a gasoline engine and ground it, i don't care whether it was a 1942 or 2022 it makes no difference in that if that cylinder is being fueled all right what however it's getting fueled whether it's inject through some sort of injection system or a carburetor right it is going to have it's not going to burn that fuel so the emission that would be coming that would be coming out of the tailpipe is hydrocarbons so it's unburned fuel when you open up a gas can and you you smell the gas and the fumes come out that's hydrocarbon emissions if you go to a uh a, a live in an area like i do here where there's a vapor recovery gas pump with the boot on it that's to trap hydrocarbon emissions an evaporative system on a road vehicles to trap hydrocarbon emissions so it's unburned fuel that it's the uh the gassing of the unburned fuel into the atmosphere so that's hc and then we have what's called nox oxides of nitrogen and oxides of nitrogen uh, is created through pressure, heat, and exposure time. 
and it is a uh, a chemical that is from combustion when the when the leading edge flame temperatures reach over 2500 degrees and there's enough cylinder pressure and enough exposure time that oxides of nitrogen are produced an egr valve whether it's on a gasoline or a diesel engine exhaust gas recirculation valve is meant to control oxides of nitrogen and on a later tier 4 diesel engine the SCR system, selective catalytic reduction, and the use of urea, well, not urea, DEF, diesel exhaust fluid, which is urea and deionized water, purified water, is to is to control oxides of nitrogen emission. And then the last, then we also have oxygen, and as I said, we have particulates. But let's we'll concentrate on the CO and the HC because that's what's going to affect us or impact be impacted by the crevice volume but specifically not the co but the hc is going to but we'll discuss that all right so now we had now the same thing is going to hold true with a diesel engine a diesel engine has a carbon monoxide emission which is basically partially burned fuel when you when you see a guy and he's got this pickup truck and he's rolling coal right if the if the few, the smoke is black, and in a diesel, if you have black smoke instead of white smoke, then it is partially burned fuel. So when you're rolling coal, you have you have too much fuel in the combustion chamber. You cannot burn it. And in engineering, we would not call it too much fuel. They call it oxygen deficient. All right. So uh, so the bore is oxygen deficient and it can't burn the fuel. So a diesel has a CO emission, carbon monoxide. A diesel has a hydrocarbon emission, which is unburned fuel, and obviously they have a concern with oxides of nitrogen, and that's why there's the SCR system and EGR, and they also have a con- uh, you know concern with particulates, which is soot matter, visible soot matter. Well, it doesn't have to be visible particulates, but when we see it, it's visible, right? So, but then again, we're going to emphasize the hydrocarbon, so which is the unburned fuel. Now, if going back to the definition of a crevice volume, it is the region where the charge could enter, the fuel-air mixture could enter, but the flame cannot enter, cannot cannot access. So if the flame cannot access that, then what emission is going to be elevated coming out of that engine from the crevice volume? And it is going to be hydrocarbons because it's unburned fuel because unburned charge because the flame cannot reach it so what will happen is that the hydrocarbon emissions will be increased due to the crevice volume now let's start to talk about the crevice volume there's a no, there's a few areas that are that are crevices in the cylinder in every engine and uh that are going to hold this unburned fuel and air mixture and specifically the fuel so now and if you remember we're working today towards understanding some aspect of fuel dilution beyond having something leaking like an injector return line or fuel pump leaking into the oil so there is a number of areas that can hold believe it or not that can hold the charge where the fuel cannot go i mean where the flame cannot go and one is the valve seat crevice so if you look at both valves the intake and the exhaust valve and obviously if you have a four valve head then you have double this but but the valves are smaller the intake and the exhaust valve right where 
the valve, the poppet valve goes up against and seals against the seat where the angles are there. There is a little crevice there. And so where that angle is, where the valve meets the seat, there's a little crevice there, and that's an area that holds the fuel-air mixture, but the flame cannot access. So that is a crevice volume. Another crevice volume is the spark plug on a gasoline engine. So the spark plug, the cavity on the spark plug where the central electrode in the porcelain comes out from the shell, even though the spark is initiating the flame, or just, well, it's initiating the flame, that is a crevice volume. When the piston comes to top dead center to the compression stroke and pushes the charge there, it fills that whole area up with, with um, combustible mixture, but the flame propagates away from the spark plug that's that's a normal combustion event away from the spark plug and it does not does not burn that so that is a crevice volume so that's storing unburned uh, unburned f- fuel there the next area is believe it or not with a cylinder head by the fire ring of the head cylinder head gasket and that is a, an additional crevice volume where fuel and air cannot get to all right uh, excuse me don't mind me fueling it with a with a flame can i get to the fuel and air gets there but the flame does not right so it's just like you know think of a crevice volume that you, you you're dumping out a bag of seed or something and some seed is staying in the corner of the bag the the, the crevice the little pointy area of the bag and you got to move the bag around and try to get and wiggle it around and try to get that seed to come out then when you turn the bag upside down it's going into another region and the seed isn't going into the hopper all right so that is basically in essence what's happening these areas are holding holding that so we have in essence we have the valve seat which is the area just underneath the valve where it meets with the seat we have the spark plug we have the cylinder head all right the other thing that we have if you if you worked on engines years ago almost every engine would have it on the top of the piston would have an arrow stamp for the direction that they wanted the piston installed and often lots of times a uh a uh a part number all right well believe it or not that with the stamping is as as shallow as it was the stamping was hold was a crevice and held the fuel and air mixture and you said geez you know flame is going across the piston crown you would think that it's going to it's going to take that no and that was identified as a crevice volume and actually the ford motor company about 30 years ago was one of the first ones to identify that and to take the actual stamping off the piston as far as an embossing i should say not stamping and they ink stamped it on there the direction arrow for when they were putting the engines together because that was a crevice volume so that is another area that's of concern but the by far by far the largest crevice volume uh, or crevice region i should say by volume i use the word crevice region crevice volume it's actually called a crevice region not a crevice volume the volume would be the measurement of that crevice but in the industry we use we use the terms incorrectly and i got sloppy about doing that but the largest by far the largest offender in the largest crevice region which has the largest volume is the area from the top piston ring all right 
to the top of the piston, which they call the piston land, L-A-N-D area. And that is the hugest offender as far as hydrocarbon emissions, but it is a cumulative effect like anything in life that if you have the area around the valve, around the spark plug, around the head gasket, but the largest offender, the stamping on the piston crown, but the largest offender is the region, the crevice region around the from the top ring all the way to the piston crown because the fuel and air charge falls in there but it the flame cannot go there all right so that's why when you look at a modern piston that the the land area of the piston at the top ring is much up much higher than if you looked at an older engine years ago that the piston ring was down lower from the crown of the piston they wanted to get the ring away from the heat but they were not concerned at about crevice volumes at that particular point so it, they, they just said we're going to take the ring down and keep it away from the heat so there's a large land area you look at a modern piston even if you do an internet search and look for a piston for a coyote man, engine or ls1 or some new four cylinder or whatever you'll see that the ring land area even if it's turbocharged that top ring is right near the top of the piston it has a very short land and that is because of they want to eliminate or i shouldn't say eliminate minimize that crevice region for to reduce hydrocarbon to reduce hydrocarbon emissions all right so hopefully you are with me right now now what happens is that if let's say arguably that there's a lot of dynamics that come into this so i mean i'm gonna so that that's the caveat that i'm putting putting up right front or right in the beginning not as far as crevice regions are concerned but let's say you have an older engine i don't care whether it's on a farm tractor whether it's a uh, on a car or whatever grain truck what have you and then even if it's not an older engine it's a it's a older lawnmower engine and i call it a lawnmower one cylinder air cooled engine or it could be a motorcycle or whatever and if you think back years ago that lots of times even when they were properly tuned if you were to put and i'm not going to say it's going to make your eyes tear but if you were to put your hand or put a rig body exhaust a clean rig and then you would let it run for a second or two and you would then you take it away and you would smell it is that you'd smell the combustion you would smell some hydrocarbons and that is basically in essence because those old you could have it tuned perfectly you have beautiful air fuel ratio 14.7 to 1 on the gas engine what have you or even on an older diesel and you you had a little bit of of i don't want to say fuel combustion combustion smell and then if you had it not tuned properly your eyes were tearing all right and that was because of the hydrocarbons going into those crevice regions and if you look at an older style engine or an older designed engine that it would have a much larger crevice region around the top ring of the piston so it would store a lot of hydrocarbons there so and even though it was tuned properly that you would have a people would call it a stinky exhaust or what have you all right you would get a lot of that out but you're not going to be able to tune out with the carburetor the crevice regions you could tune out with the carburetor to minimize the carbon monoxide because we discussed that partially burn fuel too rich mixture but you cannot tune out the crevice region so a lot of older engines and i said the same thing with diesel you'll have an older diesel engine and it'll have 
it's not going to smoke, it's not going to stink, but you could have more of a combustion smell that you could pick up with your nose or if you put your hand there to buy the exhaust. And I always like to smell my <laughs> exhaust. They think I'm nuts, but, you know, tactile is so wonderful. I like to feel the exhaust pulses with my hand and then I'll take my hand away and I'll put it to my nose immediately and I want to smell my exhaust. I do that on my gas engines. I mean, I don't make a habit of doing this all day long, but tactilely, by you letting the exhaust go on your hand and then smelling it is that they give you it's a a very good indicator of what's going on it's not going to allow you to assign numbers to it but if you go let's say if you have a uh, an older diesel engine right and you go and you're setting up the pump timing on it and you go and you put your hand there and you smell the exhaust and you got it set up now and it's nice and clean and the exhaust has less of of a oh it's it's less odorous all right it's still going to have some odor to it but it's not as potent then you have to tune up much better it's i'm not going to say it's a poor man's air fuel meter all right but it's it's definitely an indicator and something that you that that you want to look at well i should say smell not look at but that is why a lot of older engines would have a more uh, uh, have more odor in their exhaust it wasn't because of the catalytic converter it wasn't because we went to fuel injection it was because of so much attention paid today to crevice regions inside the cylinder and specifically the top ring land of the piston but i said it's cumulative with everything that's going on so now keep in mind that if you have an engine with a higher with a with a larger crevice volume i'm going to use the proper term so the crevice has it has it has more volume to it so if you had let's say a three inch bore cylinder versus a five inch bore cylinder or a 4.2 inch bore whatever it may be or a two inch bore versus whatever the larger the circumference of this cylinder the larger the bore all right if unless there's a lot of design going into it is that you are inherently going to have more your crevice region is going to be have more volume to it and if you hold more volume if you have more volume in that crevice region you're going to have a higher amount of hydrocarbons of unburned fuel all right so now i'm going to play a little bit of a soundtrack of a top fuel dragster so this is going to be idling the top fueler Alrighty, so we're all back now you got that that's a good way for me i'm coughing i should put the clear in my throat I should put the top fuel on there and the and if you listen everybody loves the sound of a top fuel dragster right idling and the thing is that it's 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 almost like dynamite going off but there's for the simple reason being is that the octane rating of nitromethane is so low it is like dynamite going off it is actually that in that particular instance it's actually exploding instead of burning it, it explodes first and then burns the dynamics of the fuel are much different than what we would see in a diesel or a gasoline engine but when we listen to that engine all right it's very it's it's steady but choppy and when you have a performance engine and is that one of the things that's going to allow it to make power is is the overlap of the camshaft and the overlap being 
that's the time in crankshaft angle degrees that the, both the intake and the exhaust valve are open. So the, the, the longer the time in rotational degrees, so the more overlap that the, that the two valves are open, is that it is going to allow the engine to breathe much better and be efficient at high RPM, but very, very inefficient at low RPM. So that low P-ness that will listen to that top fuel dragster, or if you, or if you have a hot rod or a race car, and that we all love, or every hot rod farmer loves that sound, right? The thing basically is, is that it's because of the inefficiency of the combustion event at low RPM because the velocity through the cylinder head is too slow and the valves are staying open too long or actually putting pushing exhaust gas back out. So now, why I'm talking about that is that obviously your farm tractor, unless you get a pulling tractor, is not going to sound like that. Your pickup truck is not going to sound like that. Your combine is not going not going to not going to sound like that. But anything that happens inside that engine that allows for inefficient combustion, when you put that together with a a large crevice region. All right, which that has a lot of volume is that you're going to be storing a lot of hydrocarbons there. Now, what two things are going to happen with those hydrocarbons? Number one, at low speeds, you're going to see hydrocarbon emissions idle and low speeds go much higher. Once you get velocity through the ports and piston velocity, it, it masks that and becomes a lot more forgiving because it becomes efficient at that particular point. But what will happen is because that region is going to have a lot of hydrocarbons there and between the top piston ring and the crown of the piston, all right, it's going to start to wet the cylinder wall and it's going to start to wash the oil off the cylinder wall and that crevice region is going to follow the piston down and then eventually once you start to get a little bit of degradation of the top ring seal all right if you do if you're familiar with doing a leak down test it's percentage of cylinder leakage so let's say you get this 10 11 12 13 percent cylinder leakage which is not a lot of cylinder leakage for a production engine especially with some hours or some miles on it. that's 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 excellent values, excellent values. And you have a large crevice region that you're going to put that fuel and it's going to work past the ring. And as it works past the rings, it's going to dilute, take the oil off the cylinder wall, and it is going to go into the engine oil and it's going to to decrease the viscosity and the lubricity of the oil because it's going to be mixed with fuel and that fuel could be either gasoline or it could be diesel depending upon what the application is so where am i going out with this number one first thing is that on an engine that has more of a crevice region an older type of engine it's very important and that is one of the reasons why they did not go to the longer oil change intervals that the modern engines have today there's two components that came up is that you have you have better oil today which i'm not going to deny but also we have more of attention paid 
to the crevice regions inside the cylinder. So if you so if you were to take let's say a 2022 John Deere tractor, whatever model you want, that has a lot of attention paid to the to minimize the crevice regions in the bore. Forget about that it's TF4, forget about that. Just we're gonna look at the crevice region. And you had a 1972 and you put the same oil in them, you're gonna have a higher level of oil or fuel dilution in the older tractor simply because the crevice region is going to be larger and it's gonna be holding more fuel unburned fuel there which eventually no matter how good the ring seal is is eventually going to wash past those rings so the thing is what i'm working at here is that don't get fooled into having an older engine and for and for instance uh like i was like mr bronick right he has the uh the old steiger here i got your name correctly uh i hope i did and he's got the old steiger with the with the uh big cam 3 cummins 855 great great engine wonderful engine that thing's sweet on it's a baby and his tractor is gorgeous but the thing is that an engine like that even if you put modern the best synthetic oil on it says fifteen thousand miles or so many 500 hours like john this has 500 hour drain intervals and some of this stuff all right the thing is that you have to keep in mind that an engine no matter how well it's tuned no matter how well you take care of it an engine with the more crevice volume or and is going to inherently take some of the oil off the cylinder walls and inherently going to dilute the fuel um, dilute the oil with fuel over time at a much higher rate than an engine that has minimized crevice volumes and crevice regions so if you have a piston that's big big stamped in there boom with a directional arrow that's going to hold more more it's a larger crevice crevice area so like i said it's a cumulative effect so what is the take-home message here what intrinsic value is this going to bring to you as a listener to the show other than in case you go on jeopardy right and you say what's well, a crevice region that you could explain it it's an area that the fuel and air mixture enters but the flame cannot is that on most farms that there are a whole fleet of different engines different vehicles of different years could be stuff 50 years old to brandy brandy new and and also over the years is that the it's it the oil has changed and gotten better there's nobody going to deny that we can make better oil today than we did 50 years ago not denying that whatsoever but the thing is that you have to keep in mind that if you have an engine that has a lot and now you're going to say to me how am i going to know if it has a higher crevice more crevice volume and more crevice regions than my new engine well the thing is that there's no there's no practical way for you to know that other than saying well the older it is the more crevice regions it's going to have and the more crevice volume it's going to have because so that's just the way it goes all right so for something that's 10 years old is probably going to have more crevice volume in those regions and less attention paid to it than something that's brand new and something that's 30 years old is going to have is going to have more crevice area than something that's 10 years old so keep in mind is that you're going to have a different rate of dilution 
of the fuel into the oil. And if you're one who does fuel tests, I mean fuel tests, uh, oil analysis, which I'm a big proponent of, and you say, man, look at this older engine, and I'm, I'm starting, you know, I'm getting a little trace of a trace of fuel in the oil, and this newer one doing the same work doesn't. Well, let's assume that the air-fuel ratio, the mixture strength is right on both of them. It is because of the crevice region that is going to inherently also wear the rings i'm not saying they're going to wear out don't interpret as that but if you were to take a ring package from an engine that has a more crevice volume to one that has less crevice volume with the same board the same fuel the same usage the same type of usage on it you're going to see that the ring package is going to be wearing out quicker at a degrade at a higher rate simply because you're holding more air more fuel there above that ring because of that region so what to make it ridiculous let's say it's holding a quarter fuel where in the older engine with a new engine is holding one ounce of fuel so if you have a quarter fuel it's always sitting there in every cylinder fill event and every combustion event and then it's it's going to be washing the oil off the off there so like i said this is an fyi the take-home message here is that even if you're using a much better more modern oil that 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 promotes extended drain intervals all right over and over a older type of oil yes you could enjoy some of those old those extended drain intervals to a certain extent but then again it's something you know just like if you look at i i always make a reference to a corn seed because i'm a corn farmer that right? i never raised soybeans i never raised wheat but if you look at the seed other than some kind of seed coat that's on it all right if you were to look at seed from 1954 versus today, all right, well, and you, the seed doesn't look that much different. Well, you could say, well, we have hybrids today. Hot rod, you're full of it because of hybrids, you know, the genetically they look a little bit different. But for all intents and purposes, I could give you seed from 1954, if I still had it, right? And 74, and 84, 94. And, and if it's a round, if it's a round or a flat or something that are about the same size, you're not going to be able to really identify much difference. So much difference at all. You can say, well, this one is smaller or this one is bigger, but you won't be able to pick that out for the most part and say well this is the seed from 1974 well the thing basically is is that when we're looking at engines on the farm and because there's such an eclectic mix of different years is that you have to realize that there are dynamics inside an engine today that you cannot see and people that are giving it its stellar performance its great fuel economy its power it's it's what we would call specific output or, or, or power density in other words horsepower per cubic inch or torque per liter whatever metric you want to use on that all right and people say well it's because of fuel injection the fuel injection is only one thing whether it's diesel or gasoline is that there's so much going on behind the scenes even the cylinder wall finish the way they finish a cylinder wall the past 30 years with what they call plateau honing versus regular honing there's a whole there's a whole science there so if you were to look at a modern engine the way the cylinder head gasket is designed the way the valve angles are cut into the seat the placement of the seats how much the seat is sunk into the cylinder head right is all for crevice volume the piston the ring package how high the ring package is up is up to minimize the land area and then in turn you can't just do that this there's, there's certain materials for the ring package 
that they're using today. Uh, when I say the ring package, for the rings, the term we use in the industry is the package. All right, and they do all these things, but to you it looks like a piston, it looks like a ring, it looks like a wrist pin, it looks like a cylinder head. Just like the bag of corn seed, if you showed it to grandpa, does not look that much different or, or that or different at all compared to what he planted 40, 50 years ago or what you're putting in the hopper today. So once you understand this, you will be able to have a maintenance program to minimize the dilution of fuel into your lubricant or into your into the oil of the engine gasoline or diesel by recognizing that an engine that has more crevice regions and of a higher crevice volume is going to have more dilution of fuel into the oil when there is nothing wrong with it nothing at all wrong and and uh so it's something to keep in mind and the oil if you're using the same oil it's going to have less dilution and last longer and the oil itself its lubricity component is going to be more stable in a newer engine because it's not going to see that dilution and then if you have a hot rod like i played that top fuel drags right thirteen thousand horsepower beautiful right when you have a lot of overlap in the can like that you're a hot rod farmer you have an overlap overlap is that you're really filling that 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 crevice you're constantly filling that crevice region up not only on cylinder fill but during overlap and you're going to have a lot more dilution of the engine oil with hydrocarbons with fuel gasoline or diesel most diesels don't sound like that but if you're running a guy who's rolling coal or you're running a tractor pull tractor or you got the pump turned up on your farm tractor and you're and you're starting to just roll a little bit of coal or haze something you have to keep in mind that that is co partially burned fuel and that is going to go into that crevice region so if you're the type of guy who wants to turn up the wick and have just a little tinge of black smoke because you identify that as power on that farm tractor all right the thing is that you better be better with doing your oil analysis and your oil changes because over time you're going to put that fuel past that ring in the crevice region and it's going to go right into that engine oil so i'm not saying don't do that i'm not saying don't run that calibration but it's just like anything if my wife wears high heels then she's going to walk differently and says i'm not going to go up on a ladder even though she does in school go up on a ladder with high heels so the thing is that if you're doing that and then also if you have something happening with the engine and you, you start specifically on a diesel she's starting to blow a little black smoke because of something is going askew then you have to realize that you got to look at that oil and you don't have to change it at that particular point. I'd pull an analysis. If it's a big diesel engine, it's cheaper for you to pull an analysis than to change that oil. All right? So if you have any questions, any concerns with that, you want to fight with me, then that's 100% fine. Just send me an email at hotrodfarmer at farmmachinerydigest.com. And now we're going to get ready for, 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 <clears throat> for Justin Forsier's letter about torque wrenches and i'm going to put tex rubinowitz on and i'm going to clear my throat come on in tex well i'm a rolling daddy with a mean machine it's got a v8 motor and it sure is clean i'm a hot rod man yeah i'm a hot rod man look out little mama gonna get you hey everybody tex thank you so much i'm looking for mr four sears letter here Okay, I got to get better organized, right? So, uh, 
Anyway, here it is. I got I I got his I got his letter. All right, so it says, "Hi Ray, <clears throat> my name is Justin Forcier, and I only pronounced it correctly because he gave it to me phonetically. Thank you, Mr. Forcier. And I am from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. I have been a faithful listener to both the radio show and the podcast for about one year. Well, I want to thank you for that, sir. I really value your knowledge and have changed some habits based on your advice." i.e. advertising every gallon of diesel in my gmc duramax and opening hood to eliminate heat soak i i just i commend you sir for that because those are the two things that are so simple to do that could drastically improve the life of that engine and all the underhood components so kudos to you i don't live on a farm but i come from a farming family with roots in virginia west virginia and alabama I also lease a small plot from my township where I grow vegetables. Last year, I grew watermelons, peanuts, pumpkins, pepperoni with pepperoncini, which I don't know what that is, peppers, pepperoncini, peppers, and eggplants. I'll have to talk to you about what those peppers are if I'm reading it correctly. My question has to do with torque wrenches. I have heard that you should not use an extension when using a torque wrench because the extension will throw off the wrench's accuracy. However, recently, I read that extensions have no impact on the accuracy of a torque wrench. What are your thoughts? And if extensions do not affect torque wrench accuracy, do torque limiting extensions like the ones used for lug nuts actually do anything or did I waste my money when I bought them? Thanks so much for your time, and I hope to hear from you soon. Best regards, Justin, and uh, and I will get back. I will definitely answer your question because I think I'm just shuffling my papers around here. Is that uh, I think that it's an excellent letter, and I'm sure a lot of people have questions on it. So let's talk about an extension and what Justin is talking about in this in this context is putting an extension on for a socket so let's say you're going to torque a head bolt and you got to get in there with the with the socket and you got to get the wrench above the valve train and above the cylinder so you use a straight extension so if you're using a straight extension on a torque wrench it has zero zero impact on the torque readings so you do not need to be concerned with that all right but the fact of the matter is that if you use the swivel or you use something else, then you are going to have the potential because you're going to put a little bit of an angle in that, even inherently, you, you, you may not think you are, and that is going to impact it because the rotational torque of you just att- uh, is going to be different. And the wrench is going to read the torque that you're inputting to turn the fastener, but if you have a parasitic loss because you put a swivel on it, then you are going to have, you're going to skew that reading. So arguably saying that you're going to have a reading of, let's say 70 foot pounds, and you have a swivel on there to get in there, and the swivel is cocked at one or two degrees, all right, off of being straight, then the wrench is going to read 70, but the amount of torque that actually got to the fastener may only be 65 pounds i'm making up numbers so to answer that aspect of your question is that if you use an extension that is extension not on the handle but the socket extension to lift the wrench up off the work piece further 
then that is not a problem. But you have to keep in mind that you have to keep that very straight. And lots of times it extrapolates out, right? So it's just like, uh, it, so there's a trajectory. So if you have a long extension on there, and let's say you're using a deep socket, when you really don't need a deep socket, you, you do, uh, a shallow socket would fit the head of the fastener better. When you have a deep socket and you have an extension, you have a tendency to rock that socket onto that, excuse me, onto that fastener a little bit. So if you're rocking that so- that socket onto that fastener a little bit, one or two degrees, I'm not saying you're going 30 degrees, all right, then you, what you're going to do is you're going to skew that reading because you're tilting that, you're tilting and you're putting more rotational torque into it. Remember, you want to read the amount of force that is being applied to the fastener, not necessarily the force that you are in, putting into the wrench to move the fastener. So a straight socket, a straight extension is fine. I would limit the height of it if you need, and I would also make sure that I use a, a socket that is going to that is going to fit snugly and not have a lot of room above the fastener like a deep socket when a shallow socket could 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 uh be fine so that's not going to impact it all right so now the thing is that if you're if you're going to use a crow's foot with a torque wrench and you can use this this application where you have to use a crow's foot on it with a torque wrench. Let's say you're talking an injector in or something, or what would have you. There's a lot of different applications. I may not be able to think of too many at this particular point. That that would be that would remain accurate if the crow's foot is positioned at a right angle to the torque wrench. Because if the crow's foot is positioned at a right angle to the torque wrench, then all of the all of the force that the wrench is going to be interpreting is going to be going into the crow's foot into the fastener now if you had the same situation and you took the crow's foot and you put it in line with the handle and the crow's foot was two inches long all right then what that would effectively do was would act the imp the effect would be the affect would be that you've lengthened the handle on the torque wrench two inches and then your reading of arguably 70 foot pounds would be skewed because you put a longer handle on it so if you're going to use a torque wrench with a crow's foot then you need to have the crow's foot when you're talking that fastener that injector whatever it may be at a complete right angle to the handle the head of the wrench and then you will be fine now let me get your letter to make sure i uh, i gotta find out what those peppers are pepperoncini that's what i couldn't even read there i mean that's mine not you 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 typed it beautifully pepperoncini all right so now the other thing is that uh the torque limiting extensions like for lug nuts do they actually do something yes they do because the thing is that what they'll do is they'll design to start to twist and then the then the gun will start to ratchet and then you will know when to uh some people call them torque sticks you did not waste your money they are very very good uh the thing that you may want to look at or speak to the manufacturer who there's so many different products today that whether those torque sticks or torque uh you call them torque limiting extensions uh 
whether they have a service life i don't know after so many times i could be dependent upon how they're made but to answer your question no you did not you did not waste your money and they're really great to if you want to use a a impact gun on wheels especially with today's wheels that they're very very sensitive to, to run out all right and warpage and brake rotors are also so you did not waste your money with that whatsoever so let me see uh if i answered your questions i hope that i did uh the other thing that i would say to you is that uh if you use a torque wrench a lot you want to make arrangements with someone when i met someone with a place i usually i used to have a snap-on deal and i used to send my wrenches to snap-on because i had snap-on torque wrenches when i had my engine shop did you really want to get those torque wrenches calibrated every once in a while and if it's a twist type of if it's a type of torque wrench where you're preloading it like a, a uh, uh, click type of torque wrench where you do and you and you're setting it you always want to unwind it when you're putting it away for storage and you don't want to drop it you want to don't want to mishandle it but unless you're doing a lot of very fu- you know intricate engine work all right if even if the wrench skews a couple of pounds you're not gonna really you're not gonna hurt anything if you were working in a nuclear power plant it would be a different story or in a, on an aircraft in, in the air force or the navy or what or marines what have you on a jet fighter but for what you're doing with that but the thing is that you you know even though i'm saying that there's some leeway but i do have to emphasize that on today's modern engines so so justin if you were to take your duramax apart god forbid is that the engines today are very sensitive to torque specifications because they're built to such finite standards and lots of times there's different materials in there and there's dissimilar materials and the different expansion rates it wasn't like it was years ago so you're definitely on the right the right track with your with your torque wrenches and do not be afraid to use an extension to get the socket up with the caveat being use the shortest one possible use a socket that fits snugly and 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 basically nests on that fastener head with not a lot not a free space above it and keep and then you'll keep the wrench straight and if you don't input any angle into that extension you could take that talk reading to the bank and if i didn't answer your question then just please feel free to email me at hot rod farmer at farmmachinerydigest.com so listen i want to thank you so much all of you for uh, tuning in today and i want to thank you i want for for having uh, for cutting me some slack and uh, hopefully god willing that donald by the time this show drops that donald has been come home safely and he's such a wonderful cat and he's such a part of the family that uh you know for someone who doesn't and i'm not saying this in a derogatory sense whatsoever but the scriptures tell us that god loves his entire creation obviously it's a different type of love and a different type of relationship between people than than it is with people to an animal but just because it's different doesn't mean it's real and donald became don all of our animals are such a such a part of our family the stray the the wild animals are part of our family and like i said if 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 your heart is in that way you'll probably think that i'm crazy and i i don't and and you probably think i'm nuts but uh but for those of us that have a true bond and relationship with god's creation then you know how painful it is when something happens to them or you can't you you can't help them to the level that you 
that your heart intends for it to be. So listen, I want to thank you so much for tuning in and know that the Hot Rod Farmer is pulling for you, the American farmer and rancher, and my beloved, beloved America, and those that farm or ranch around the world. And God bless you. Have a blessed day. Take care. Bye-bye.